Hey, hey, this is episode 19, When My Child is Nonverbal. This podcast is for parents that want solutions, not just sympathy, for the many personal struggles that come with raising children with special needs. Welcome to Parents Have Special Needs Too, and I'm your host, Ashley Johnston. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Okay, so it can seem incredibly overwhelming and frustrating to try to communicate with your child when he or she doesn't speak and for whatever reason that may be. As your child develops, so does his or her ability to comprehend the world around them, right? And with this increased comprehension comes the desire to communicate and to ask questions. Lots and lots of questions. (laughs) But if your child is nonverbal, then that can throw this development out of whack a little bit. It often means that you are the one asking those questions, but they're different instead of, you know, why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? Why do we have to do it this way? We might ask questions like, why is she upset? Or what does he want? Is he lonely? What is she thinking about? Is he in pain? Are they hungry? What does she want to eat? Why isn't she sleeping? Are they scared of something? Do they feel sick? If so, is it in their stomach? Is it, where is it? And then if anything happens, right, with a friend or on a play date or even just at home, but you weren't there to see what happened, how do you figure that out? You can assess their bodies. But I am often asking questions like, okay, you know, it, it looks like somebody took a toy, but did did he take it from you or did you take it from him? Or, I mean, I think you get the idea, right? So many questions that we're asking to try to figure out what's going on and how we can help. But there is something out there, as many of you moms may know about, called... A mother's intuition, right? And daddies, you got this too. Now, a friend of mine calls this mom stinked, which I think is pretty fun. So otherwise, it's a mother's instinct. And this is where you just know your child, right? You know them, you can read them, you understand the many expressions of their face and body, you understand their intentions, you see and understand the emotions and thoughts that they express even just through their eyes, right? And then if they're able to make vocal sounds, so not like words and sentences, but even just those sounds add a whole nother layer of being able to communicate right? So all of their different kinds of cries and laughs and different inflections of their voice that can express anger or joy or sadness or humor or whatever else they might be trying to express, right? It's so, so helpful. Suffice it to say, most of our communication is actually not verbal. And I've heard that 60 to 90 percent is non-verbal, And I have seen science studies that say that 93% is nonverbal. So much of our communication really has very little to do with the words that we say and more to do with how we show up physically and vocally. 
So taking this information into consideration, it makes me wonder, well, why do I want Elizabeth to talk so bad, right? I mean, like, if most of communication isn't actually words, then what's the big deal, right? Like, hey, we're all doing pretty good. But, I mean, as any of you can probably attest to, like, being able to communicate verbally with words and sentences is really powerful and gives you a huge advantage in being able to express yourself. And it's just a lot easier, right? It takes a lot less attention and focus to listen to words. So even if it's only 7%, that 7% opens up a large opportunity for expression. And I want that for my child. But let's just also, as a side note, acknowledge that speaking doesn't just clear up and get rid of like misunderstandings and feelings of not being heard, right? Because if you have a nonverbal child, sometimes you worry about that. Like they just probably feel so misunderstood or lonely or like, like they're not being heard. And that might be true, but also think about your verbal children or even just yourself. Have you ever experienced those feelings? They're not listening. They don't hear me. They don't understand me. Most likely, yes. I just wanted to be able to make that point so we can kind of set that aside and and not think that if we can just help our children learn to speak or communicate using words, that those feelings will all of a sudden be gone. Or that they only are there because they had issues speaking in the first place. I don't think that that's the case. So what I'm learning is that it can just be very draining and frustrating to communicate with your nonverbal child. Especially when we're comparing them to a more articulate child that you may have. Then it's not to say that you're not going to experience frustration communicating with your articulate child. It's just a different kind of frustration, right? If we can categorize frustration in different categories, which I just did. So there you go. So feeling drained and frustrated about communicating with your nonverbal child, it's not just that we can't figure out through trial and error what your nonverbal child is trying to communicate, right? Because we can do that a lot of the time, but it takes more energy and time and attention to communicate with them more eye contact, more assessing their physical body and their verbal cues and different things like that that normally we wouldn't have to do if we were talking to someone that could say words. I mean, it's probably best that we do, but you can be in different rooms and your child can still talk to you and you can hear them and you can still help them out, you know, or understand what they need. Hey mom, I'm hungry. Oh, okay. Whereas a nonverbal child may come up and tap you on the leg. And if you're cooking or if you're doing something else at the moment, you have to stop doing that thing. Turn to them, attend to them, pay attention to them and learn what they're trying to say. And this is if they haven't learned how to use some other modes of communication, which can be really helpful, like a picture exchange system or sign language or another form of communicating that might make it easier versus just trying to understand pointing and grunting or you know, them walking you around the house and tapping on the things that they want, you know. But even still doing those things, it still takes a different 
amount of time and energy and attention that is really uncomfortable at first. It can be it can be difficult at first because it's different than what you're used to. And that is where we run into the problem is that because it's different and because it's uncomfortable, sometimes it takes stronger amounts of motivation to do it. And this isn't because you're a bad parent. Like that's not the reason that you're struggling to communicate with your nonverbal child if you are. Most likely, it's just because our brains were designed to choose the path of least resistance, the easiest path, the most efficient path, and that is a verbal language, right? So if your child isn't using a verbal language, your brain can resist, and that's okay. That's normal. What I want to share with you are a few different things that I've been able to do that helped to motivate me or get me in a place where... I'm more willing to pay attention to her, not only with how she's communicating currently, but to help teach her how to communicate more effectively with a picture exchange system, with sign language, with different modes that will enable her to express herself more fully. So the first thing that I address is called your state. And what I mean by state is what you're thinking and what you're feeling I think this might be easiest understood when you think about how you're getting motivated about something, right? It's just like I'm in just I'm in the cleaning mood or I'm in the zone or I'm you're in a state of being in which you feel like you can accomplish the thing that you set out to accomplish. So how do you get into that state? Right. If you're communicating with your child and you're thinking, I'm just too tired for this or I'm frustrated about this, frustrated about that, you're not going to want to sit down and listen to them, meaning with your eyes and your 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 even your own body language, sitting up, looking interested. And that is the easiest way to address how you're feeling initially is your physiology. Sit up, look at them, put down the phone, turn off the music. Be excited, right? Put your body upright and just behave as if you're excited about this, right? And that can help you change your emotional state to be more interested, to be more focused, and to pay attention to them more. I know it might sound silly, but there has been scientific studies where if you will stand up straight, shoulders back, chest out, arms up, and you just hold that pose, for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, that you'll start to feel more powerful. So try that with your kid. Try taking or embodying or acting out, you know, as if someone were watching you, you're on stage, you're doing a play, right? Someone's watching you and your part is to be the parent that's listening to the child. What might that look like physically? Get into that physical position, and see how that changes things. Okay, the next part to address is the story that you're telling yourself in your mind. The thoughts you're having, which is if it's something like, I'm too tired, or this is so frustrating, or I don't understand what she's saying, or this has been hard to figure out, or she's just so whiny, or you know, whatever it is, think about. And, and initially, you'll just want to pay attention to where your thoughts are going with this, right? And then you'll want to step back and take some time to 
consider and try on new thoughts, new stories. So if you notice your story is, for example, I'm too tired, then you'll want to take some time and examine that, right? Am I actually getting enough sleep might be a good place to start. And if I'm not, how can I get more? And then if it's not a matter of actually getting enough sleep or actually being tired, then you might want to question that. Like, am I actually tired or do I just not want to spend my time and energy doing this thing? Is it draining to me emotionally and mentally? And if it is, now's the time to sit down with a piece of paper and write the story or the thoughts that you want to be thinking when your nonverbal child comes to you and needs to communicate something. How do you want to be thinking? Do you want to be thinking, I am so grateful that my child comes to me and tries to talk to me. I show up in a way where I listen and pay attention. I'm able to understand as I watch their body and listen to their vocal expressions. Now, keep in mind that you want to write a story or a thought pattern that be- that is believable to you. Can you get there? Can you get to a place where you believe it and you feel it? You feel the emotion from that, where you feel confident, you feel whatever it is you want to be feeling about that. Okay, that is where you know that you've got a good story that you can reliably use. If it's too far out there, it becomes a bit of an affirmation where you're trying to say it over and over and over again and kind of white knuckle it. And that's not what we're looking for. You're looking for a believable story. And if you can't get to the place you want to be, where it's like, well, I'd really like to be totally attentive and totally into it. But the truth is, is that I'm just not. And I, and I kind of don't want to try. Then you're going to do a baby step story, which is just a little bit better and a little more in the direction that you want to be going. So maybe it's not, hey, I'm totally excited to communicate with my child, but it's something like, I acknowledge that my child is there and needs me and I do want to be there. So I can at least look at them. And that might be a good place to start. You know, I'm going to try to be present with them, you know, for five minutes here, 10 minutes there when we're eating, when we're changing a diaper or something like that. So you'll know what it is that you're capable of and where you are. And the point also is to not judge yourself for that, right? You can't get better or improve from a place of self-hate or self-loathing or even self-dislike or anything like that. So make sure to give yourself some space. Say, hey, it's okay. I'm not the only one that does this. And I can get better quicker if I love myself and support myself. I find this really helpful when I feel discouraged or tired or drained and I haven't done any therapy or practice with the new communication systems that we are trying to use is writing a new story, making sure I'm in a good physical and emotional state is definitely helpful there as well. All right. I hope you found some helpful things. Try it on, see how it goes and let me know. Thanks for joining me today. I'll be back next Friday with another podcast. Make sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Take care.